Welcome to the video book summary of The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business by Charles Duhigg. This book was published in 2012 and weighing in at 286 pages. In The Power of Habit, Pulitzer Prize-winning business reporter Charles Duhigg takes us on a thrilling edge of scientific discoveries that explain why habits exist and how they can be changed. Distilling vast amounts of information in engrossing narratives, they takes us on the boardrooms of Procter & Gamble, to sidelines to the NFL, to the front lines of the civil rights movement. Duhigg pre- presents a whole new understanding of human nature and its potential. At its core, the power of habit contains an exhilarating argument. The key to exercising regularly, losing weight, being more productive, and achieving success is understanding how habits work. As Duhigg shows, by harnessing this new science, we can transform our business, our communities, and our lives. If you like what you hear in the book summary, I strongly suggest you buy the book using the link in the description. So without further ado, I bring you the book summary of The Power of Habit. Part 1. The Habits of Individuals Habits, scientists say, emerge because the brain is constantly looking for ways to save effort. Left to its own devices, the brain will try to make almost any routine into a habit because habits allow our minds to ramp down more often. This effort-saving instinct is a huge advantage. When a habit emerges, the brain stops fully participating in decision-making. It stops working so hard or diverts focus to other tasks. So unless you deliberately fight a habit, unless you find new routines, the pattern will unfold automatically. Habits never really disappear. They're encoded in the structures of our brain, and that's a huge advantage for us. The problem is that your brain can't tell the difference between bad and good habits. And so if you have a bad one, it's always lurking there, waiting for the right cues and rewards. At the same time, however, the brain's dependence on automatic routines can be dangerous. Habits are often as much as a curse as a benefit. Studies of people have successfully started new exercise routines, for instance, show they're more likely to stick with a workout plan if they choose a specific cue, such as running as soon as they get home from work, or a clear reward, such as a beer or an evening of guilt-free TV. Habits are so powerful because they create neurological cravings. Most of the time, these cravings emerge so gradually that we're not even really aware they exist, so we're often blind to their influence. But as we associate cues with certain rewards, a subconscious craving emerges in our brains that starts the habit loop spinning. Foods and scents are two powerful cravings that can affect behavior. New habits are created by putting together a cue and a reward and then cultivating a craving that drives the loop. If you want to start running each morning, it's essential that you choose a simple cue, like leaving your running clothes next to your bed and a clear reward, such as a midday treat. But countless studies have shown that a cue and a reward on their own aren't enough for a new habit to last. Only when your brain starts accepting the reward craving, the endorphins or sense of accomplishment, will it become automatic. The cue, in addition to triggering a routine, must also trigger a craving. Cravings are what drives habits, and figuring out how to spark a craving makes creating a new habit easier. To change a habit, you must keep the old cue and deliver the old reward, but insert a new routine. 
Almost any behavior can be transformed if the cue and the reward stay the same. You can't extinguish a bad habit. You can only change it. Part 2. The Habits of Successful Organizations Some habits have the power to start a chain reaction, changing other habits as they move through an organization. Some habits, in other words, matter more than others in remaking businesses and lives. These are keystone habits, and they can influence how people work, eat, play, live, spend, and communicate. Keystone habits start a process that, over time, transforms everything. The habits that matter most are the ones that, when they start to shift, dislodge, and remake other patterns. When people start habitually exercising, even as infrequently as once a week, they start changing other unrelated patterns in their lives, often unknowingly. Typically, people who exercise start eating better and become more proactive at work. They smoke less and show more patience with colleagues and families. They use their credit cards less frequently, and they say they feel less stressed. For many people, exercise is a keystone habit that triggers widespread change. Dozens of studies show that willpower is the single most important keystone habit for individual success. The best way to strengthen willpower and give up students a leg up, studies indicate, is to make it a new habit. Sometimes it looks like people with great self-control aren't working hard, but that's because they've made it it automatic. Willpower is a learnable skill, something that can be taught. Willpower isn't just a skill, it's a muscle. Like the muscles in your arms and legs, and it gets tired as it works harder, and there's less power left over for other things. Willpower becomes a habit by choosing a certain behavior ahead of time, and then following that routine when an inflection point arrives. For companies and organizations, simply giving employees a sense of agency, a feeling that they are in control, and they have a genuine decision-making authority can radically increase how much energy and focus they bring to their jobs. Destructive organizational habits can be found within hundreds of industries at thousands of firms. And almost always, they are the products of thoughtfulnessless, of leaders who avoid thinking about their culture, and so it develop without guidance. But sometimes, even destructive habits can be transformed by leaders who know how to seize the right opportunities. These organizational habits or routines are enormously important, because without them, most companies would never get any work done. Routines provide the hundreds of unwritten rules that companies need to operate. But among the most important benefits of routines is that they create truces between potentially wearing groups or individuals within an organization. Most of the time, routines and truces work perfectly. Rivalries still exist, of course, but because of institutional habits, they're kept within bounds and the business thrives. For an organization to work, leaders must cultivate habits that both create a real and balanced peace, and paradoxically, makes it absolutely clear who's in charge. During turmoil, organizational habits become manageable enough to both align responsibility and create a more equitable balance of power. Crises are so valuable, in fact, that sometimes it's worth stirring up a sense of looming catastrophe rather than letting it die down. Good leaders seize crises to remake organizational habits. Part 3. The Habits of Societies In a landing job, weak tie acquaintances are often more important than strong tie friends because weak ties give us access to social networks where we don't otherwise belong. 
weak tie acquaintances, the people we bump into every six months are the ones who tell us about the jobs we would otherwise never hear about. The power of the weak ties explains how a protest can expand from a group of friends into a broad social movement, convincing thousands of people to pursue the same goal, especially when that the pursuit entails real hardship, such as walking to work rather than taking the bus. Most people don't care enough about the latest outrages to give up their bus ride unless it's a close friend that has been insulted or jailed. So there is a tool that activists have long relied on to compel protest. Even when a group of people don't necessarily want to participate, it's a form of persuasion that has been remarkably effective over hundreds of years. It's a sense of obligation that neighborhoods or communities place upon themselves. Peer pressure. Peer pressure and the social habits that encourage people to conform to group expectations is difficult to describe because it often differs in form and expression from person to person. These social habits aren't so much one consistent pattern as dozens of individual habits that ultimately cause everyone to move in the same direction. The habits of peer pressure, however, have something in common. They often spread through weak ties and they gain their authority through communal expectations. In a playground, peer pressure is dangerous. In adult life, it's how business gets done and communities self-organize. Conclusions. Habits are what allows us to do a thing with difficulty the first time, but soon do it more and more easily. And finally, with sufficient practice, do it semi-mechanically or with hardly any consciousness at all. If you believe you can change, if you can make it a habit, the change becomes real. This is the real power of habit. The insight that habits are what you choose them to be. Once that choice occurs and becomes automatic, it's not only real, it starts to seem inevitable. Change might not be as fast and it isn't always easy, but with time and effort, almost any habit can be reshaped. The framework. Identify the routine. Experiment with rewards. Isolate the cue and have a plan. And that's a wrap on Book 78, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. Follow us on social, search us on Instagram, hashtag bestbookbits. This summary is from the website paulminers.com. Watch previous video book summaries on our channel and support us by subscribing and sharing on social. If you like the video and want to buy the book, click the link in the video description to purchase from Amazon. Thanks for watching and I hope you learned a thing or two. Have a great day.